You guys remember those Tamagotchi type of pets that you would put on your keychain and then you would like uh, feed it and then you take it to bed and then it would shit and then you would have to cater to all of its needs. Those little pet things. Like America was doing the most to prepare women for parenthood. Welcome back to the Jones Chronicles, Volume 5. How y'all doing? How y'all feeling? Are you alright, 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 alright? I know I wasn't earlier this week as no one caught it on camera, but I took a massive nosedive on the back porch because my foot and the last step did not connect at all. So down I went. I get no My mother, who witnessed the whole entire thing, thought I was laughing or thought I was crying because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> and then, of course, this happens in front of all of my nieces and nephews and the three neighbors' kids and the neighbors that are sitting on their porch. And so my little niece comes over, five years old, like, come on, you okay? She grabbed my hand and put me safely in the house like, you stay there. This is what happens when I run. I'm not meant to run. I'm not equipped to do that activity, man. And here I was trying to think I was that type of athletic individual. And it started with me being challenged. Well, first my little nephew told me, can you come over here and watch me play basketball? I was like, that's boring. I'm gonna play basketball with you. Like you take a shot, I take a shot. Except, see, I got a bad rotator cuff. And I was taking that shot. And let me tell you, that shit was going so, like, far right. <laughs> it skipped the basket. <laughs> First time I was trying to do it underhanded. A under, underhand throw. I thought that would help me out. Little fucking 10-year-old, 12-year-old looking at me like, what the fuck is that shit? I'm like, back up, bruh. I used to be good at this. All right? Let me find my rhythm. It didn't come. So I had to run away in embarrassment. <laughs> And down I went. Estelle is my favorite niece at this point. She's like three years old. She never, well, unless I'm leaving, give me a hug, like a full bear size hug. No, she usually likes to hang around my ankles. <laughs> and when I'm turned away, she'll hug me on the back of my legs. She's absolutely adorable. I don't go over my parents' house too often because when I do, the same shit goes down. Like my dad, well, I'll be talking to my mom. She'll go into some deep stuff and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know why every time we need to talk about 1942, but we don't. I mean, she's always constantly talking about her past. <laughs> it's my sister. I know it's my youngest sister who always think that her job in life is to self-help everybody else when she needs to self-help her own ass. But I'm like, I came to visit. I don't know what, what are you talking about? I, I don't, yeah, we're skipping over that. And then once we get past that barrier, then she tries to prod somewhere. And it's always, we need to go to financial counseling for some reason. I'm like, but I don't have financial issues. And then my dad will come in and then he has to be the star of the show. So he wants to suck all the attention away. And just every conversation I try to have with my dad or my mom, he jumps in like, I'm Mr. Meeseeks, look at me. 
And because my mom has a co-signer, she's just like, oh, I hate my fucking life. And she has to, you know, do things like find the password to the television because she can't remember it. So she has to write it down. I don't know why she can't write it down in a place where he could just pick it up and put the TV on himself. She's mostly mad, though, because, you know, she's over there. She freaks me out when she's cooking because the stove will be on and there's no food <laughs> on that stove. I'm like, your hand's all over the place. You, you, you got oil and then you're outside and you're back inside. Just everything about it stresses me the fuck out. So it's not that I don't enjoy the experience because it is an experience, especially when she's like, what do you want to eat? You want something? Here, take this, take that, take that. She'd be giving you half the house. I'm like, ma'am, stop it. <laughs> but also, I will take that hemp cream for my arm. Thank you very much. She's going to give me some tape, too. I don't know what's going on with my shoulder. It's, um, well, I know what's going on. It's the repetitive actions of me typing. Because apparently that can give you rotator cuff injury. Who knew? Speaking of that stove, though, I had a flashback moment when my mom used to press our hair. And when we pressed our hair back in the day, it wasn't, oh, there was a straightening comb or, you know, what we have today. You know, you plug it in. No, it was a actual straightening comb. Uh, and you put that shit right on the stove, on the open fire. And then you had to sit between your mama's sweaty ass legs and then she'd be sitting there munching on fucking ice. And that was a trend for a while. I don't have any people that, that eat ice anymore. I'm really glad. But man, I, I don't know what that was supposed to do. But it was a trend for a while where everyone was just eating ice. Every once in a while, I think my sister Muff still eats ice. But I don't see it as prevalent. Like she got over it eventually. So I, I, I don't know what that was um, feeling the void of. But she'd always be eating the fucking ice. And then every time I'd walk away with actual burn scars because she would tell you to, to, to grab your ear and flip, pin it back so that she can get those little edges right there. And each time she would burn, she would burn my ear. And I would look at her accusingly. Except instead of taking responsibility, she blamed that shit on you. Well, you flinched. No, I didn't flinch. How you gonna tell me I flinched? The thing about also getting your hair straightening from the stove is that, you know, the next day your hair all, <laughs> your whole scalp is sore <laughs> because it's not, I don't think, a natural process. <laughs> it's the process I always knew until I was about 15. But up until that point, because my mom was very against perms. Like, you're not in a perm, you're all natural. They always had these weird set of rules. The same applied to our clothes. But before I jump into that, um, thy <laughs> scout, man, you would go to school, you would run your hands through, just got sores in there, just like, ah, this shit hurts so much. But your hair would be like glistening to your fucking face because she put so much goddamn grease in there. That's why black people don't get lice. Put so much goddamn grease in our hair that any insect that would even try it wouldn't even be able to latch on. They just slip on off slippery slip right on out moving on to the clothes we could not afford to purchase new clothes that with five children my mom just did not have the capacity to close clothe us all and if you know anything about children and clothing they grow out of it exponentially my mom would buy our clothes at 
the thrift store. But the thing is, my mom would go on two to three hour hunting missions to make sure she found brand new clothes, brand name clothes. Now, me as an adult, strangely enough, like I used, I shop at Goodwill as well or a thrift store. They call it in Indiana. It was Goodwill. That there wasn't any thrift stores around. That was the thrift store, and I would always go to the nice ones and, the, and not the hood. Because now, if you go to the hood, you're gonna get some fucked up shit. But if you go out and you get a really nice store, you can get things with new tags on it. Just cheaper clothes for the function of what they're supposed to be. Clothes to clothe you. You have a wardrobe on your body. It matches. It's not dirty. It's fine. I've never been bougie about that with clothes and the name brands. She didn't pass that on to me. And even to this day, my daughter's never even had a name brand shoe. She doesn't know that they exist. I don't have any. Comes to this uh, lifestyle type of thing, I'm not, you know, fancy about that. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to get the biggest bang for my buck. So before I go shop for new clothes, you best believe I'm going to swoop on by the Goodwill and see what we can do here first. I don't have that luxury anymore since I moved to Ohio three years ago because the thrift stores around here are not shop worthy. I miss Indiana and their Goodwills because thrift stores here are not shop worthy in my humble opinion. So the last three years, Amazon and Jeff Bezos pretty much own my ass. Um, (laughs) A lot of Amazon shopping. I was never blessed with style either. My mom wasn't a connoisseur of makeup. So those types of things that my sisters would get into, you know, in middle school where, you know, <laughs> my mom would put us in stonewashed jeans and I just walk out the house, you know, with my hair up in one, like, hey, I'm clothed, I'm matching, it's all good. Yeah, my sisters, they would have secondary outfits that they would change in the bathroom before first period. And I'm like, it it doesn't matter. I won't say I didn't care at all about my outer appearance. It just was pretty low down on the list as far as I smell good. I showered. I brushed my teeth. Once again, I'm matching. The colors go together. <laughs> my shoes are clean. And sure, I got this bang that just flips here with my hair up in one and I'm good to go. So I was lacking the male attention that my sisters, my other two sisters would tend to get, particularly my second eldest, who was the popular daughter and some would say mom's favorite. She'll never admit it, but we all knew it. Of course. As I stated in the earlier podcast, the rest of my family are more personality-wise, more compatible than my personality. I'm a complete different species in some ways from them, even though we have a lot of similarities and we can have a good time together. But ultimately, I always found myself distant. And I guess it also starts, too, with the fact that I got my first job. Well, 
I went to the girls and boys club for a summer and that was my I guess 13 year old job <laughs> um, and then after that I actually worked for my dad for a day didn't even last a whole shift now my dad he had owned his own detailing business which is a success like he even had the mayor come and, and cut the women he got a lot of success with his detailing business not much past you know the, the the passive story but hey he he succeeded at something that he wanted to do now they weren't great at managing their own business <laughs> however they had the best of intentions and for a while did have some prestige at least they were far better off than they were previously where my dad was working for other types of automotive industries doing the hard labor but i cleaned the mats for like one day and i said absolutely not so i walked my ass down to uh down to mcdonald's and i decided that's where i'm gonna work <laughs> that was my first official job i loved it there was a guy there named chris who had like red hair sometimes he'd make it green sometimes it'd be blue he was like six foot two and i wanted to climb him like Mount Everest, and Mount Everest was on my bucket list since I was born. Sure, he was an absolute and utter male whore, but I didn't give a fuck about that. I did manage to get over his house, even managed to lie on his bed, but <sighs> apparently, lesson I've learned several times. Uh, in my early childhood development into womanhood that bad boys that just want a whore don't mess with good girls that they're meant to marry okay 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 can you believe this shit i was too pristine i was too on a pedestal to defile and that was not the first time i was denied i had a crush on this boy named dink yes dink I don't know what the fuck his real name was. It didn't matter. He was fine. This was also when I realized I had a predilection for white men. My mother, as best she could, tried to understand. <laughs> All I could say was, I just like them. She asked me if I was racist against my own race. What do you mean? We may have already discussed this. I don't retain information from podcast to podcast. <laughs> but uh, it was something that my sisters and my brothers were also kind of following suit. Like, I don't know what's wrong with her. Why she like all these white boys? Now, today they're called spicy whites, according to Mimi. But back in the day, they were called wiggers. White men that had african-american or black tendencies they listen to rap they uh just had swag in the way in which they talked and presented themselves because they were in doctrine in the african-american community broke was broke we all stayed broke together and we had the same broke problems maybe to a different broke degree but we stayed and lived in the same proximity it's probably why there's so many interracial couples in cleveland ohio today let me tell you, in the late 1990s, early 2000s, man, wiggers were pretty much prolific. For a girl like me, I was in fucking heat. It's rain! 
I was really into Aaliyah, so I really wanted to dress like her. So I would go outside, you know, with the little kind of hip-hugging, baggy jeans. I would have my little sports bra on with my little bandana tied around my hair with my hair down. I was looking good. During lunchtime, we used to do that Are You That Somebody dance. We'd all be teaching each other. We had the best time at school. I didn't hate it. It was always a a good experiment on watching the rest of the world but i th had things that i enjoyed myself you know i was an introvert i was a very shy child i know it's hard to believe <laughs> as i'm as you listen to me talk all the time but i i was like i was just so very quiet and then when i would open up my personality most people thought i was weird so then that would just cause me to retract back into my own self but i still had moments you know my first kiss was in sixth grade now i just walked up to a to a boy in line i was like you want to kiss me because someone else was teasing me because i would never been kissed before and he's like sure and that was the driest kiss in the entire world not memorable at all except for the fact that it was with a black boy my one and only kiss by a black man yeah but the school I went to was very diverse. There were Vietnamese children, a lot of them. I made friends with them. Sun, what was the other one's name? Yu, <laughs> that was their name, Yu. Sun uh, Tuyen, I remember him because I had a hugest crush on Tuyen. Now, even though I had a white boy thing, I was an equal opportunity, you look fine person, and I love Tuyen. And he and son used to teach me curse words in Vietnamese. <laughs> Do I remember any? I think Tupape Elewewu. I think that might be, um, I don't remember. I, it was very diverse. So like I said, there was Hispanics, those from Indian descent. So very populated, a mixed group of people, which was great because it introduced me to different cultures and ideas outside of the box. That was my family and uh let's just say that my mom and my dad were not necessarily like the things that you knew were don't fuck with the police don't talk to the police don't catch the attention of your police of the police like if you were my brother you couldn't wear saggy pants you can't you couldn't wear a bandana she hated that i had bandanas she tried to throw them all out and because she threw them all out we had to use stocking caps fucking stockings i hate stockings so much i will never put on another stocking like the fact that they were they were they were prison for your legs that's what they were and i had to put them on every sunday for church i used to hate going to church too i used to sit in bed hoping my mom would oversleep then she'd get up in the last 35 minutes i'm like fuck that was pretty much the the gist of the educational program coming from from at home so going to school was the enlightenment period now strangely enough for some reason i was called shamu this does not tie back to the oreo connection where because i listen to rock music 
pronounced all of my vernacular and apparently so didn't act as if i had been from any hood so shamu came from a very childish joke in which there was this uh, old time phone in our drama class and tuyen used to always pick it up yeah my crush tuyen and say sea world we're calling to get your whale back could you be there stupid they do stupid things apparently when they like girls so his way of showing i like her was to tease me unmercifully i mean i had a gym class where i was in a basketball yeah i used to dribble ball i used to play good um and they were all shouting shamu 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 i scored the winning basket in that game man nowadays this shit would not go down right <laughs> everyone would be in remedial classes there'd be expulsions news coverage be at the school it, it, kids are just they're unceremoniously cruel but jones didn't seem to be par for the course so i had i had pretty thick skin didn't cry too much over this type of teasing did get really shitty and cry when someone threw some sawdust in my hair and a fly was in the sawdust that's when i had a moment of breaking down then there was some remedial classes between ricardo i remember his name i can't remember the other boy's name and i remember from that point forward ricardo was like my bodyguard now my sister and my brother went to the same school as i but they were much more popular and rarely associated with me unless my sister needed some money for like lunch to buy a pizza remember the little pizza where they sell fries and stuff like that i would be queen queen fucking be in there because i had an actual job yeah i had a fucking paycheck work 20 hours a week 40 hours two weeks you come home with 400 dollars you're fucking rich here comes the money here we go money talk eventually i got to buy my own cell phone i think it was like another year or so before that happened but having your own money having your own agency it changed things and it showed me that at a very young age because later on when my sister got her own phone my mom had to pay for it so when my mom would get pissed off she'd be like well i'm cutting your phone off she couldn't do that to me because you can't call my phone company <laughs> ma'am can you provide the four digit passcode to access this account no she cannot i had joined the drill team as well which is kind of like the highlight <laughs> of my middle school career of achievement well not the highlight because i did re um win the writing contest for a christmas carol so like you had to do an alternate version and so i don't even know what i wrote but i ended up winning in the district it was like uh me and 10 other kids and we went down to see a christmas carol at playhouse square i believe and uh it was nice that you know we were all sitting with our class and then me and like two others 
that were chosen because it was 10 out of the district right so they came up got me and the other that was uh, chosen from my school we got to go down to the the front row and watch the play and then meet the actors afterwards and they congratulated us and gave us shirts so that was one highlight but i was also a part of the drill team i love to dance so drill team was a way to not be a drill uh, a cheerleader because i didn't want that but also a way to get my choreographed dance on and i loved it uh we ended up placing third in the finals of the drill competition it's one of those highlights where the parents came out and was like oh i see you i was so nervous i had this really bad habit have you ever watched a uh, superstar the movie where she puts her hands under her armpits and then she smells them That did not deter me, though, from getting out there, because I don't like performing on any stage, <laughs> but getting out there and doing the routine that we practice. To this day, I can still do the routine, at least the, the main part of it. I like playing baseball. We just didn't have any baseball fields around. So the one time I was really able to enjoy it was at this uh, Just Chillin'. Like Walter had a party at his house. That was my first introduction to a house party. People watched, you know, a lot of... That actually reminds me of this um, event I went to where we were doing a talent show, but it was on the east side. And now the thing about living on the west side of Cleveland is that if you can avoid going to the east side <laughs> for any reason, especially in the early 90s, you, you, you just did that, right? So we had this talent show and it went over and it was night. And uh, I don't remember what I did in the talent show. I, I think it was some type of dance routine. <laughs> but I was mostly uh, doing the concession stand. And then I recall once it was over, like all of a sudden, like there were shots going on outside. Now, if you're on East 99th or anything with double digits in it on the East side, shots being fired is kind of a normal occasion. So when it happened, all, we were like forced to stay inside <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're like trying to get to our car so that we can leave and the, the, the choppers outside and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? There was always some type of crime occurring for us to witness and it's kind of one of those tropes of living in the ghetto, but it is very much a part of your society. It's like, yeah someone's running from the police and hopefully those bullets don't come and catch your ass now on the west side it was a little bit a little bit more chill and then i find out 20 years later that the street i lived on one street over someone was holding like those three girls or two girls for 15 years or something like that what's fucked up is right around the corner is the police station and then right down the street is the hospital that's where my mom lives right now just goes to show that horrible things happen everywhere even in the places you might think are safer quote-unquote than other places that you consider well i will say that night we called 911 and 911 never showed up for us which is another tragedy another example how community policing 
was always an obsolete um, proposition when the when the community that polices you don't even show up for you and i think i'm gonna leave it there i did backtrack from where we were at last podcast i I realized i'm skipping a whole lot of shit (laughs) kind of hitting big moments but not really discussing what it's like to be a, a middle school age child living next to a whole bunch of drug dealers that were um attractive like dink that's why i couldn't be with dink because he was a drug dealer and he told me the same thing like i can't ruin you but i want to be ruined facts don't care about your feelings this is why my mama forced my ass to church every sunday but lo and behold a love triangle unfolded there too more next week in volume six if you want to send any feedback like our couch at gmail.com or you can leave a comment below on this podcast my social media will be there as well remember to like share subscribe until the next time peace hair grease and black or magic Everyone make